Our scripture reading for today is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Please turn with me in your Bibles. Again, that is Acts, chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. As you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Holy Trinity Church. Pastor Ashanti in the house with you on this beautiful Sunday. Let us rejoice in all that he has been doing and continues to do in our lives. You know, I pray that you've been encouraged and strengthened already in what has taken place on this Sunday. And I'm excited as we get ready to get into God's word. You know, 2020 has been quite an unexpected season for us. Uh, it's come with highs, uh, but a whole lot of lows. Uh, and, you know, every few weeks, it seems as if there's some new headline that is shocking and hits us. But let me tell you something. When I got the shocking news that 70 degree weather was headed our way and that we were going to have summer <laughs> in November, I'll tell you this, I started to rejoice and I said, Lord, could it be that this could be the ram in the bush for 2020? In light of all that has gone on, could it be that we might just have 70, 60, high 60 degree weather all the way through November, possibly to the end of the year? Could it be? Well, it isn't. The hawk is coming, but I tell you this, I praise God for those 70 degree weather days. I had a ball. I pray you got to enjoy them too. Uh, in fact, me and some of the fathers of HTC got our kids and went out to the playgrounds with the boys. So I'm just thankful for it. We rejoice over it because, like I said, the hawk is coming. Cooler days and nights are on the way. Soon it will be 30 degrees and negative degrees. But until then, we say amen for the 70 degree weather. All right. Uh, you know, I'm excited uh, to be before you. I mentioned a few Sundays ago, like, man, I just was like, I was waiting to get into the text. And praise God that uh, I've had my opportunity now to jump in the book of Acts and share uh, with the body today. And so it's my, my joy and pleasure. And I look forward uh, to what God is going to do in all of our lives through the preaching of his word today. You know, we find our nation in trying times. Political idolatry has created division. It's even created massive division within the church. It's divided us like never before seen, at least in my own personal lifetime. People's heels are digging in deeper and deeper. And the fleshly tendencies that camouflage themselves as righteous indignation are rising higher and higher. What shall we do? 
That is the question. What shall the church do? Well, it seems to me that in light of where we are as a nation, in light of where we are, especially as the church, what better book for us to be in than the book of Acts? What better place for us to be studying God's word to learn what we should look like and what authentic Christianity should reflect and how it should manifest itself? So like many of our other books of the Bible that we go through, I'm just always amazed at how God in his sovereignty has us in the right place at the right time. And that is what he has done even today. So as we move forward in the text, we're gonna see the miraculous works being done in the apostles in chapter five. And what it tells us is that when the Holy Spirit empowers big things happen. But before I preach God's word, I would like you to join me for a word of prayer. Lord, we humbly come before you now saying thank you. Thank you for your love, your care, and your faithfulness. This morning, Lord God, we pray that you have been glorified through our service, through the singing of songs, through the Apostles' Creed, through the communion of prayer, Lord God. We pray that you have been glorified and ask, Lord God, that you, through your word, would minister to our hearts. Work in our minds, our hearts, and our soul and prepare us to hear your word. Holy Spirit, might you empower me. Empower me this morning to preach your word with clarity, conviction, and compassion. And as your word says in Romans 12, may we be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Move in our very being, Lord Jesus, this morning. We entrust it all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. HTC, again, glad to be with you. We're continuing our book, the book of Acts, our series, Authentic Christianity. And whenever one is teaching through a narrative story like this, preaching or teaching, you'll find that there are several things within the story that tie together, various themes and events that take place that are very similar or speak to what has happened, is happening, or is going to happen. We'll see that especially today in today's text. I say that on the front end so that you don't get bogged down if I make any references to other texts. Don't necessarily try and flip to it real quick. I will be making multiple references, but maybe jot down the text and you can just look at it later. But you'll see how Acts is even from the beginning of chapter one is still very present in where we find ourselves today in chapter five. Now, some of you may be joining us for the first time. I'm not sure if it's the first time or, or many of you guys have been here from this since the very beginning. But wherever you lie, I wanted to make sure that I gave a little backdrop, you know what I'm saying? I wanted to provide you some insight into what has already happened and gotten us to where we are today. The book begins with this beautiful introduction. We see this fellowship between the risen Christ and his disciples. And for 40 days, 
They have intimacy with Jesus, the risen son of God. And he speaks to them about the kingdom of God and the promise of the Holy Spirit. But he also reminds them of their commission to evangelize. And then it's followed by his ascension. The apostles seek to find, in light of this, a replacement for Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. And in that process of deciding who it would be, it lands that Matthias is the guy. And then comes Pentecost, when the promised Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Trinity, is poured out just as Jesus had promised in the Gospels. And the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is manifested in tongues where men are speaking in different languages and people are wondering, what is this? And then Peter, the very one who denied Jesus three times, is now filled with the Holy Spirit and boldly proclaims the gospel before all who are there. This opportunity is beautiful because we see a wonderful revival here. It's, the text says that 3,000 souls came to faith. And from that springs forth this beautiful picture of unity that we see in the fellowship amongst believers, where they share all things in order that no one goes lacking and everyone's needs are met. Then while going into the temple, Peter and John, through the power of the Holy Spirit, come to a lame man who is asking for finances, asking for some money. But Peter and John say, we've got something else. We don't have the silver and gold that you need, but what we do have, we give to you. And what happens? The lame man is healed. They tell him to rise and walk. And that is what happens. And then there, the beggar is healed. This takes place at Solomon's portico. And what comes from this is, it says, 5,000 come to faith. Now, before I go any further, there's one quick observation that I'd like to share with you uh, that I notice even as we begin to make this trek from chapter one to where we are now in chapter five. And that is, there is this similarity between the ministry of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. In the Gospels, we see Jesus begin his earthly ministry and then miracles take place and lives are transformed. And here in the book of Acts, we see the entrance of the Holy Spirit after Jesus' ascension and the ministry begins and miraculous things take place and lives are changed. But not only that, but in both instances, it speaks to who they are, God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three persons but being one. We're all familiar with the words of Jesus in John 10 30 where he says, I and the Father are one. But Acts gives a very similar example that wants to let us know that the Holy Spirit too is God. We see it earlier in chapter 5 when Peter questions Ananias saying this, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And in the very next verse, Peter says, you have not lied to man, but to God. And so already we're seeing this wonderful clarity being provided. The Holy Spirit is not some it, not something you catch, not something. The Holy Spirit 
like Jesus Christ, is God. So again, back to the story, after 5,000 have come to faith, the religious elite of the, of the time are a little bit disturbed. They're frustrated. Not so much with the fact that the man was healed, but the fact that the healing was a sign that Jesus Christ was truly who he said he was. The healing actually confirmed and proved that what was being said in the gospel was true. They were frustrated and they were angry because they said, this is problematic. We can't let this go on. So what happens? They arrest Peter and John. And after they arrest him, they bring them in and they stand before the rulers and elders. And believe it or not, Peter, again, empowered by the Holy Spirit, no longer walking in fear, boldly proclaims the gospel to them, letting them know that he, the gospel is the truth. But in light of that, they say, listen, don't do it anymore. They're released, but that's not gonna stop them. Rather than timidly going away, they do the very exact opposite. All the believers come together and they pray for more boldness. And again, they have another moment of beautiful unity. As the text says, they had everything in common. Then in last week's message by John, we got to see two pictures that seem to contradict each other. On one end, we see the beautiful unity of the church and everything they have in common. But as we begin chapter five, we get to see a different side. We see some of the not so beautiful side of the church. When we see Ananias and his wife Sapphira who are filled with greed and seek to deceive God when there was no need to. And what we see there is we see unity and greed which equals into sin and ultimately leads to their death. They lose their lives. And that is what brings us here today to verses 12 through 16. If we look at these texts, I'd like to break them into two themes. In verses 12, 14, 15, and 16, we see the signs and wonders being done by the apostles. But then you have this little small section in, in verse 13 where we see the reverence that is given to the apostles. And before we take a look at the signs that we find in, again, those earlier verses, I want us to first look at verse 13 and the reverence that is received by the apostles. And this is what it says. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Now there is a debate amongst scholars on who exactly the people are being referenced here. There is more than likely three types of people that it could be. One, the people referred to here are those who are new believers who possibly feared getting locked up. See, remember, as I just said, the religious leaders said, do not go proclaiming the name of Jesus anymore or you will be locked up. So the idea of them jumping along might have been a little, little scary for them. Some very might well have been like, you know, I'm down with y'all, but I don't know if I'm that down, down with y'all just yet. <laughs> But then there was a second possibility. And those were new believers who had just watched and heard, watched or heard of what had happened to Ananias and his wife Sapphira. 
They'd either seen them drop dead because of their greed or they had heard that they had dropped dead because of their greed. And although this experience would have caused them to lose faith, it would have, however, made them take seriously the things of God and the works of God and therefore think twice before jumping up there with the apostles. And then there's the last option. And this is the one that I tend to lean towards in that these were non-believers who wanted to be close enough to know what's going on, but not close enough to get caught up in it. They were not believers. They were non-believers. And, and they knew that unless they had been truly converted, this wasn't something to play with. But even in their unbelief, they couldn't deny that something was happening that was beyond the natural. And therefore, they gave reverence. It is the Holy Spirit doing the miraculous works through the apostles that has led people to give them respect. And these miracles work as a primary point of the rest of the section we find ourselves in today's text. Again, verses 12 and 14 through 16, let us know this. And I will read them to you again where it says, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on the cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. As I said earlier, when the Holy Spirit empowers, big things happen, and that is what we see right here in the text. Peter and the apostles are at Solomon's portico, and we all know this isn't their first time there because, again, this is where they healed through the power of the Holy Spirit, the lame man in a few chapters earlier. And it's here we see this great move of the Holy Spirit of many being healed and coming to faith. But this also shouldn't come as a shock to those of us who are reading today. Not because what is happening isn't magnificent or even unique, but because this is exactly what had been prayed for by them back in chapter 14. Again, let's, I'd like to take us there. After being arrested, this is what the text said that they prayed for. They said, now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word in all boldness while you stretch out your hand and heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And the Lord did just that. The Holy Spirit empowered them. And what we see here in the text today is the fulfillment of that prayer. Yes, God answered and they continued in boldness, preaching God's word and performing signs and wonders. And it is important to notice that these signs are being done 
for recognition aren't being done for recognition. They're not being done for financial gain or political stance, but rather so that souls might be saved. So that the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached and that lives are transformed and people come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. I also think when we look at this text, it's a partial fulfillment of what Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 12. When he said to them this, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. And we see here greater works being done. By this point in Acts, it's safe to say that it, over 9,000 people have put their faith in Christ, both men and women. The masses are coming from all over and finding healing and deliverance there at Solomon's portico. What Christ said would happen is happening and there is no denying it, absolutely no denying at all. I love how John Calvin said it as he gave his recount of Luke, his addressing of this section. He says, Luke says that the church was increased by miracles because they serve for faith to prepare some and to confirm others, whereby that it is proved again, which I have said elsewhere, that miracles must never be separated from the word. For God meant thus to set forth the gospel of his son, especially at the beginning, that he might for certainty testify to the Jews that the restoring of all things was present. And it speaks to this idea that yes, Jesus, the one who holds all things together and will restore all things, was actually doing it through the Holy Spirit. All this was being done and taking place, lives being transformed, souls being saved, people being healed, the gospel boldly being proclaimed. And let us not lose sight of that truth. The miraculous and the gospel were not independent of each other, but they were hand in hand. So what then do we do with this text? I tell you in these few verses today, we get a glimpse of the divine power working through the apostles. People are being healed. Outsiders are impressed. People believe, despite the threat and hostility from religious leaders, apostles are boldly engaging in public ministry. And they remain faithful to the call, which testifies to the power of God and the call for all to repent and come to saving faith in Christ. So what do we do with this today, church? What do we do with this narrative as believers in 2020? What is the role of the Holy Spirit? Are miraculous gifts something we should actively look for? Is it something that can never happen now? Well, what you'll learn is, is that particularly when it comes to the miraculous gifts, there's a lot of arguments going on. Different sides, different stances. 
Some believe that things that we see here in the book of Acts no longer happen. It's not possible. In fact, all of it ceased with the apostles in the closing of the canon. Others believe that it is definitely something that we should be looking for and operating in. While others, which include HTC, believe that God is still at work and he can use miraculous works in any way he so pleases, but it is not normative. Well, I have to say that I'm somewhere in between. I'm somewhere in between the last two. And I say that in this way. I'm in between because, yes, I do believe that we should expect and believe that God can still work miraculously. And in fact, if you take some time to speak to any missionaries overseas, you'll find that many signs and wonders are still taking place now. While at the same time, I don't believe that we're supposed to believe, see that it's something that we make happen all the time. That, that it's, it's a must happen in order for us to believe. It's a must happen in order for us to be able to affirm the truth of the gospel. So again, I lie somewhere in between that nuance of both and. One of the reasons why I struggle with the word normative, although I think it's true, is that I believe many of us have taken the word normative and saying it's not normative to say that in our hearts we're actually saying, no, it doesn't happen anymore. But again, although it may not be happening regularly here, it does not mean that it does not happen. But as I look at this text and I walk through this text and I think about it, I say to myself, yes, I believe that we should have faith, that God can and will still do miraculous works in order to draw people to him and also to show the power of who he is. But we can't go around demanding it. While on the other hand, I don't think we can sit up here and say that it does not exist and will not happen ever again. And that somehow it's dead. The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is not some animal that you can train to yield or to jump. How dare we say yield? God, you can't and don't work in those ways anymore. On the other, day, on the other hand, how dare we say jump? Jump, Holy Spirit, because God, you have the right to move how you want to move, but it's not based off of me telling you you have to move. When we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, the miraculous gifts testify to who God is and what he is doing and what he has done. And as I said earlier, the miraculous gifts are never to be divorced from the gospel. Everything, all things point to Jesus. Everything and all things point to Jesus. 
And we can never lose sight of that. So HTC, those who are listening, I, I, I want to tell you something. Be sure to remember who God is. As we look at this text, we see the power of who God is through the Holy Spirit. We see the power of the proclamation of the gospel. We see that it transforms and shakes and changes things. Big things happen when we follow God faithfully. Big things happen when we're obedient to the spirit. So I say, as we say in my neighborhood, stop sleeping. <laughs> stop sleeping on God. Stop sleeping on the power of the God we serve. You know, as I mentioned earlier, there are many people who are sitting around asking the question, what do we do now? All over the United States, the question is being asked, what should the church do? All this unrest, what should the church do? All this racial tension, what should the church do? All that is going on politically and socially, what should the church do? While they're out there prophesying, or should I say prophesying, and our babies are being murdered both inside the womb and outside the womb, what should the church be doing? Well, I'm here to tell you I have an answer. I wish I could take credit for it myself, I wish I could say it was my idea because, you know, I tweak a couple words on it, package it up a little different and sell it and become a millionaire. But I can't. I can't do that. What I can tell you is this. I do have the answer. And it comes from the number one bestseller of all time, the most well read and most book in the world, most read book in the entire world. It comes from what I quote our elder Steve Ehrenholtz. It comes from the place that I, I trust, and that's the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that is the book for both you and me. That is what the church has to do. The church should do what the Bible says. Isaiah 1, 16 through 17, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before your eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Matthew 22, 38 through 39, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and the second is like this. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Again, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Romans 12, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. God with your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then in Colossians chapter three, where it tells us this, it says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetedness, which is idolatry. 
But now you must also put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk of the mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with the practices and put on the new self with this being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven both me and you. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts towards God. This is what the church should do. This is the authentic Christianity that the Bible has called us to. And this can only be done through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So this morning, I say to you, church, commit yourself to the transformational work of the Holy Spirit. Commit yourself to the word of God and his gospel. And don't put a lid on our God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and compassion. Thank you for your strength and your word. I ask, Lord God, that you would humble us, allow us to see the truth of your text and what we've learned today and seeing already through the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit is God, that we recognize the beauty of the Trinity, while at the same time that we also not, not abuse the idea that your gifts are still active and seek to use them for monetary or popular gain, but that we move as the Spirit leads, while at the same time we not deny that you are capable of doing whatever you want, however you choose to do it. You will never contradict yourself. Lord, I pray for those who are hearing right now who may not know you, that their hearts be turned towards you, that this word would minister to them and that however you see fit to touch their soul, to help them understand who you are, that you would do it. Let them not just sit waiting for a miraculous sign, but let them sit recognizing that your gospel can speak to them. And quite frankly, Lord, the fact that I am saved and that any of us are saved is a miraculous work within itself. So, Lord God, we thank you, we praise you, we glorify you. And we believe that you will still do miraculous, wondrous things for your glory, for your kingdom, to draw people closer to you and to prove and show that you are God. Thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. Help us to learn how to live comfortably in the grace sometimes. When it's hard to, we wanna box you in, help us to live in that nuance of having to be somewhere in the middle, trusting you to keep us. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. And say amen.